0: Shut the fuck up! It's time for the record bin. Welcome to another episode of the record bin—garbage music for garbage people. As always, I'm John here with Bill. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Bill. I'm excited for today. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Well, what uh, what are we doing today? Let's tell the people.
1: I think I think I need this because we're listening to a good album today. We're listening to the best album in our opinions, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And as you all know, our opinions are fact, so this is one of the best albums ever made. We're just going to get it out of the way. This is a 10 out of 10 on the Bill and on the John scale.
0: And as far as we know to date, uh, this is our only shared 10 out of 10.
1: I mean, we say that until Max brings us another Phil Collins and it just like really just hits us right in the heart. Uh <laughs>
0: I highly doubt uh, I will be able to get Phil Collins up to a 10. Uh, but, yeah, so we're getting up to our one shared 10. It is the 2013 released Queens of the Stone Age-like clockwork. Which oh, for sure is? And this album is, is perfect. Um, I don't think there's a bad track on it. I mean, obviously, that's just 10 out of 10. There's nothing wrong with this album. So before we jump into some of the tracks, let's just do real quick queens of the stone age history uh so this band formed out of the ashes of kind of stoner metal band kaius uh it's initially just a josh hame project 1996 to 1998 he's just kind of filling some stuff out getting some members eventually gets enough full-time members to tour and all of them are former kaius players uh Songs for the Deaf comes out in 2002. That's their big breakout album with a massive radio hit, No One Knows, that is still getting some radio play to this day. Lots of different band changes. It's always pretty much just been a Josh Hame vehicle with whoever he hires around him. Um, almost to the point where, you know, there's kind of three eras of their history. You've got their first era with the guys from Caius, most notably uh, Nick Oliveri being a large creative force. And that's kind of 1998 to 2002. Then from like 2004 to 2008-ish, essentially all this band was was Josh Hame and Troy Van Leeuwen and then whoever they hired to play drums and bass behind them. and then the modern era is essentially the current lineup they've got now uh there's some drummer shakeups on this album that we're going to chat about but essentially they've got josh troy uh new drummer john theodore you've got michael schumann and you've got dean Fratita, and that is the pretty much current uh queens of the stone age lineup that has been that way since about 2008 um, All so, right,
1: well, fuck it. No, let's go. Well, now we got to get up to the album. I said brief, John. Brief history, That John. was
0: about as brief as we could make that it. That
1: is bullshit. I could have made that way briefer because I don't care about details, I guess. What don't I care about? You don't care about Caius is uh, one thing that you don't care yeah, about. Yeah, I guess that's part of it. Uh, um. So then this album happened, though. Why did this album happen? What, what happened that made this album different, I guess, is
0: the question. So it's crazy because this is absolutely the darkest and most depressing Queens of the Stone Age album. What happened was frontman Josh Hame goes to have a routine knee surgery. Should be a simple procedure, in and out, no bullshit. He dies on the operating table and he is hospitalized for like two weeks and then bedridden for four months afterwards. Falls into a horrible spiral of depression, almost quits music. The band is able to kind of get him back going because he didn't want to make an album at this point he didn't want to drag his friends down into making an album at this point uh the band kind of drags him out and convinces him to do a tour and a re-release of the self-titled album uh and i went to that show and it was absolutely fucking delightful it was at the ogden way too small of a venue for a queens of stone age show that was my first queens of stone age show I almost went to
1: that show, but then I saw it was the self-titled album tour, and that album's fine, so I was like,
0: nah, I'm good. That is the second best Queens of the Stone Age album right behind this one. I
1: knew we'd find something to fight about on this fucking episode. Good,
0: good. Um, But, all right, so that's pretty much all the Queens of the Stone Age history and everything we want to throw at you, but one last thing before we jump into this. Um, so there's more things? Yeah, the, the very last John, one. we got to jump in. When did you first hear Queens of the Stone Age? And, like, what was kind of your relationship with them, like, in, initially? You know, what, what got you into this band? Well,
1: you see, kids, back in Ought two, there was this thing called uh, Music Television. And uh, that was already already just pure um, reality TV shows. So back in Ought two, there was also this thing known as MTV2 that would actually still play music videos. And pretty much late at night, the No One Knows video was really heavy in rotation and really fucking cool. Okay. And Dave Grohl was there, so that's always fun.
0: Awesome. So mine was probably about uh, 2005, 2006-ish, because it was after Lullabies to Paralyze had come out. So.
1: Is that the one with the Guitar Hero hit on it?
0: Which Guitar Hero hit?
1: The song that's on Guitar Hero.
0: 666? Or is it No, that's Araval 3s and 7s. That's Where's, both Araval Garris. Okay, what, what, what. Um, but Lullabies to Paralyze had a song, Medication, that was on in SSX snowboarding video there game. There we
1: go. Now we're talking. So, that's video game music.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that whole soundtrack to that game, I remember being incredible. And one year I'm out on a family vacation and I'm hanging out with my uncle, who I recently got to go see Tool with. And just got to drop that into the Queens episode. Yeah, of course. My uncle's a cool guy. I love him. <laughs> um, but I'm out hanging out with him, and you know, I'm like 12 years old at the time, and he's asking me what kind of music I'm into, and I mentioned this video game soundtrack with this band, Queens of the Stone Age, that like, oh my God, I think like this song is amazing. So then he shows me some tracks off of Songs for the Deaf, um, and I remember you know, as soon as I get home from that family vacation, just downloading and finding as much queens of the stone age as i possibly could and they've been you know, one of my favorite bands ever since
1: john you can't admit to illegal downloading on a podcast this is a public record the government's going to come for you
0: in 2019 if i get hit for piracy that happened uh, when i was a literal 13 year old child
1: you're going to get a letter in the mail from hbo that says please don't download porn come at me bro all
0: right, all right um so we, we need to get into this album it's Incredible. Ten tracks long. We're going to talk about every single song today, so get ready for a much longer episode if you weren't already gearing up for that with the long winded intro. Uh, but let's just jump into track one. Keep your eyes peeled. Sure. that's so good. Literal fucking chills every time that song wraps up.
1: So something that like really makes an album perfect for me is Atmosphere. And that is one of the best atmospheric introductions to an album that I think there is. There are like even out of my other perfect albums that I have, I don't know if any of them hit it that quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is that's how you set a tone right there
1: and I think part of it is the uh it opens with that sound bite of breaking glass which I'll let you get into in a second but it it gives just this feeling of either escaping from somewhere by breaking out of glass or like something's coming in to your space right by breaking in through the glass and honestly that is what I've been trying to rack myself over listening to this and I, I can't put i can't figure out which one it is and maybe that's the point
0: but oh i think it's the album coming at you you think That that's how i feel you it. think
1: i'm in my car and it's coming through my windshield because that's what it sounds like
0: yes this album is flying at you breaking through your windshield and smacking you in the face and it's doing it with that song it's doing it with those drop c guitar hits just, just good god um so yeah two notes on this song before we get into the next one um, it is absolutely broken glass. It is being played not just by Josh Hame, but also keyboardist uh, Dean Fertita. I thought it was interesting that they credited two different musicians with broken glass. I
1: don't know why anybody needed to be credited for that. I, and it kind of I, for the same me. reason Billy Joe <laughs> is
0: credited for playing the baseball bat on Nimrod. Um, uh, yeah, I
1: don't like that either. Let's but us not yeah.
0: credit for Foley Art
1: on an album. I mean, unless there's a Foley Artist involved, I guess.
0: Right. Uh, two... Uh, singing some background vocals on this track, we've got Jake Shears, frontman of Scissor Sisters. Mm. Um, Does that Arctic Monkeys
1: asshole show up on this one?
0: Probably. <laughs> okay. But uh, <laughs> Jake Shears, Scissor Sisters, we will we will be talking about him later. Um, but that's my last note on this song. Unless you got anything else, let's jump I, into track I, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: no, I could talk about that. That is. Almost my favorite song on this album That is one of my favorite Queens of Stone Age songs ever It is a great combination of Stoner metal, blues, lifted Riffs and just Fucking a good sexy heaviness And I, I really like it John I really like it oh, it's,
0: good. it's good Well um, then let's jump into what was initially On probably my first 15 to 20 listens Of this album My favorite track You're a fool but Track right. two I sat by the ocean So it gets lost within how big this album is. But that, to me, I Sat By The Ocean, is one of just the most quintessential Queens of the Stone Age rocking fucking jams. You hear that song, you hear some of the guitar tone, you know exactly who it is, you know exactly what's happening. And I think if you put this that song up against some of the bigger radio hits, that song is more rocking. That song is better than Go With The Flow. No fucking doubt. I Sat By The Ocean is a fucking jam. And honestly, but I will be 100% honest. I am biased because that is the song that I have listened to during like some really fun uh, memories with this album. Um, so John,
1: you can say Mushroom Trips. It's fine.
0: Number one, it was Acid. <laughs> Yeah, late at night, sitting alone on an acid trip, uh, just like staring out, watching the moon hit Lake McConaughey, listening to this song and repeat. It was beautiful. Uh, hanging out in San Francisco, like totally alone during a weird time in my life, just like staring out over the bay towards Alcatraz, listening to this song and repeat. It was beautiful. That song. It's a great song. It's fucking incredible. It is. But oh. it, it gets lost within the scope of this album.
1: I mean, I think you're right. It is kind of the, like, reset point of the, this album. Like, it hits you with this first really heavy, slow-going vibes. Then you're like, is the whole thing going to bum me the fuck out? And, I mean, like, kind of, but yeah. at least... Like, that's not a happy they, song. Right, by right any but idea. at least you get the fucking, like, weird 16-bit sounding guitars that you got on uh, Air Vulgaris. And uh, the dr- I love the drumming. Who's a... Who's, uh, Who's, who's drumming on this
0: one? Uh Joey Castillo does like the first half of the album.
1: I like him. He does I am a sucker for a hi-hat clothes for a <laughs> love those can't get enough of those he apparently can't either and it really at makes at least the on beats. these
0: first two tracks they are so prevalent it's all over his work on I'm this big album fan.
1: oh shit he's got one more one more track before he gets cut off pretty quick and i
0: fucking love this song he, ha- too. he actually has two more tracks because uh um, i know he's got two more but he's got one more in a row right and then he gets cut off by a long time friend of the show dave girl <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hate that, thanks uh, <laughs> Can we do it? Can I introduce this one? Absolutely Oh wonderful, uh, we're going to go to track number three The Vampire of Time and Memory I
0: know confusion here It is as I feared The illusion that you feel.
1: Have you ever walked into a room and found a vampire? No, not the good-looking kind, but a foul creature with bony limbs and ashen skin. The one that snarls as you enter like a beast about to pounce. The kind that roots you to the spot with its sunken hypnotic eyes, rendering you unable to flee as you watch the hideous thing uncoil from the shadows. Has your heart started racing, though your legs refuse to? Have you ever felt time slow as the creature crosses the room in the darkness of a blink? John, have you shuddered with fear when it places one clawed hand atop your head and another around your chin so it can tilt you, exposing your neck? Have you squirmed as its rough, dry tongue slides down your cheek, over your jaw to your throat in a slithering search? Have you felt its hot breath release in a hiss against your skin when it probes your pulse to flow the, to the flow that leads to your brain? Has its tongue rested there, throbbing slightly, as if savoring the moment? Have you ever then experienced a sinking, sucking blackness as you discover that not all vampires feed on blood? Some feed on memories. Well, have you? Maybe not. Let me rephrase the question. Have you ever walked into a room and suddenly forgotten why you came in? That's got to be where the
0: title comes from, right? 100 fucking percent. <laughs> the Vampire of Time and Memory. Uh, one, it's spelled with a Y. You've got the old-time gothic spelling. And I think the song itself lived up to it. Like, holy shit, oh, that's a really good, good. fun, creepy to, piano it ballad. It
1: goes back to the vibe of the first track, though. Like, it completely... And somehow it still works, though. Like I feel like the second track doesn't, like, stick out as because it's a Queen's record. But like these, there there are these like competing energies of like sad, dark gothiness, and then fucking rocking Queens of the Stone Age. But I guess even the rocking ones have like a sad undertone to it, right?
0: Yeah, and it's done. It's, it, it somehow maintains a sense of cohesion. Because I'm with you, if you just listen to those three songs, one of these things is not like the other, and it's track two. Um, but when you listen to the whole ten tracks of the album, even songs like I Sat By The Ocean, even songs like Smooth Sailing, though they kind of stick out a little bit aesthetically, they they fit within the larger cohesion of the piece of work. Even songs like the next one that we're going to get into. Oh, we got a fun one next. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be the first track with Dave Grohl on drums. We've got... Uh, Dave's Nick, back, everybody. Dave's back. Is this
1: the first album since no one knows
0: that he's on? No, um, fucking
1: no, What's the name of the, the Songs song song? for the Death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is the song, first one since Songs from the Death that he's on. I want to say he made an appearance in Air Volgaris, right. but well, I'd well, probably that's be, why, be wrong. Well, no, um, because
1: isn't, that, isn't the story that's why Nick asked to be back? because he saw that Dave was back?
0: Yes, yes, yes. So this should be the first one. So So, yeah, yeah, the bassist um, Nick saw that Dave was
1: back and they were both on Songs for the Deaf. And Oh, speaking of which, uh, Nick is on the next track we're about to listen to.
0: Yeah, so Nick, uh, old bassist to Queens of the Stone Age, wanted to be back on this album. He had been invited back to do vocals, um, but then when he realized that Dave was coming back to do drums in kind of like a full member capacity, uh, he asked Josh if he could... Uh, be on the album to play bass. Josh eventually decided to just go with Michael Schumann to play all the bass lines. If you hear
1: the bass work on this album, I think he made the right choice.
0: Yeah, he did, because goodness. I mean, he spent, what, the last 20-ish years trying to find the right group of musicians to surround himself with?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty Uh, consistent for a while. Yeah, for the last eight years. He must be happy with them.
0: I think he found them. I mean, it's at at least, uh, you know, Josh and Troy we'll be together forever thank god uh and that's the last thing i just want to hit on on time and memory before we get into if i had a tale uh troy van Leeuwen's work on a synthesizer is not talked about enough and especially his work on track three fucking perfect but without further ado track four if i had a tale.
1: good is it quick is that the shortest song on the album no not at all i lied no it feels quick though it
0: does it feels quick but it's that one's it. close to four minutes isn't
1: it i think it's close to five minutes it's like leaving a good movie and going like oh that was short and you're like that yeah, was three oh, hours it's midnight like, oh, wow okay oh god yeah it's the again the danceiness with the creepiness over it it's 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 just it's exactly what i want i want to be creepy and dancey I want to go to a goth club. You want to go to goth night on Saturday, John? please, what
0: you yeah. No, I don't work. Let's, yeah. Wonderful.
1: Pretty sure I'm lying to you because I think I have plans. But dude, oh my god, don't don't <laughs> in fuck the with fictitious me like that. world of this show, you and me go to goth night on Saturday.
0: Yes, please. Um, no. So that's one of the tracks on this album. I probably have the least to say about. It initially started as uh my least favorite track on the album. I have since grown to love it. Um. But, like, yeah, you kind of said it best. This one kind of melds everything that is this album, the danciness with the creepiness, the heaviness with the chip tuniness. Um, and you especially get that with the outro. Yeah. You get this ultra, ultra heavy riff coming at you for five or six bars and then just this kind of twiddly little guitar for a few notes at the end. And that really speaks to what Queens of the Stone Age has done throughout a career, and what they executed to perfection with this album yeah i think
1: so and um so dave gets to start playing on that album but dave Grohl doesn't get to go off on that song but you no know, you, you can but, but, it's a very restrained but, well, Dave yeah Grohl. But, but oh you know what song dave Grohl gets to go off on because uh, what well,
0: we're there this is uh the single from the album this is uh what let everyone know that this album was coming we're looking for track five my god is the sun. So we mentioned at the top of this episode that this album is a 10 for both of us, right? Yeah. So one thing that I think is really important about 10s, and I just got to experience listening to that song, is that when you re-listen to it, you can maybe pick something new to focus on or maybe just notice something else that you didn't notice on the last few listens through and be floored by it we were talking about Dave's drumming on this song and i just listened to it really really focusing on Dave and nothing else and my fucking god See, he just put on a clinic
1: <laughs> that's real fun cuz i was listening to the bass for most of that and like fuck god damn every yeah. instrument is going off but nothing's nothing's, they're, they're just not out here dick waving they they're playing the parts others should be playing speaking of dick waving should we get into the grammys we're we're gonna you're, we we you're, have you're, you're to. going to be especially mad Especially on this it, song. So, yeah. Um, go, John.
0: All right. So here's the deal with the Grammys. Yeah. What's
1: the deal with the Grammys,
0: John? They're bullshit. What? Okay. The, uh, uh, something we don't know, John. This album came out, was nominated for the Grammy for Best Rock Album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it win? Probably. Fuck no. No. But what did it lose to? Because, um, like, if- I,
1: I, I, wait, no, John, I'm going to assume that an album of this um, uh, uh, criteria and level lost to something really original, fresh, and uh, I'm going to say even new. Maybe something that was recorded that year. I mean, that's probably
0: an obvious guess, right? Or was it a remastering of a fucking Led Zeppelin album? That came out 30 years prior. It was that probably beat a this for best player. rock album at the Grammys. So that is like massive dick number one, John.
1: John, but I mean, at least, at least though, they got to play the entirety of "My God Is the Sun" on stage ah, at yes, the Grammys to close
0: out the right? performance. Yeah. No, the show ran long, so it got cut off in the middle of it. Oh. Oh yes.
1: Well, at least. Maybe, like, I mean, I'm sure at least it didn't piss off Trent Reznor
0: or anything that it got cut off. Oh, I'm no. I'm sure he was fine with it. No, because Trent Reznor was there. Trent Reznor was part of the performance, and Trent Reznor was very outspoken. Uh, when that performance got cut off, so it was uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Trent Reznor, and then you've got Lindsey Buckingham all on stage performing My God is the Sun.
1: Who the fuck was Lindsey Buckingham?
0: Couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> but either way, like, this is the performance to close out the Grammys, and it got fucking cut by commercial and out. And like immediately, within like 15 minutes afterwards, Trent Reznor was on the internet, pissed the fuck off.
1: Pretty sure Trent Reznor's always on the internet, pissed the fuck off, though.
0: I wouldn't blame him. I just, we need to get him some heroin. Well, we need to. Let's I get don't know. some good music. I guess, <laughs> I guess let's
1: get him on the, a, a track six. Can <laughs> Speaking we do that of good instead? Trent Reznor
0: music, we're looking for track six, Colopsia. <laughs> like how is that song So good
1: I don't know but I, I can I just say I don't Want to give Trent Reznor credit for that At least
0: um, And so it's interesting because Like and it is something That I wrote on our outline that the track just absolutely drips with trent Reznor influence and i don't I know man still like, believe that it does you
1: brought it up earlier that fucking this keyboardist is slaying this
0: these synthesizers and like. also if we go back to the last album before this era vulgaris josh and troy because air vulgaris was a josh and troy album with sessions but Josh and Troy made Era Vulgaris, which is like the closest to industrial Queens of the Stone Age has ever gotten. So, like, these boys know how to fucking do industrial. Absolutely. Because, sure. like,
1: what the fuck kind of credits co lead vocals?
0: But then when you throw Trent Reznor on that and you get a song that sounds like that, like, I don't give a shit if he didn't touch an instrument in there. Like, don't think he did. I think he was fiddling and tinkering and it was at least because that song sounds like one of the best Nine Inch Nails songs ever fucking released. No
1: no because like this, oh my no, god. Because no, no, this was good.
0: That was and so
1: good. Right so I don't know why you're talking about oh, Nine, Inch Nails you, <laughs> right Nine Inch fuck you because Nine Inch Nails is
0: incredible. Um, but so there's there's so many people that jump onto this album. Uh, this is going to be Joey Castillo's last song on drums uh everything else will be dave and then we'll have one track from john theodore we've got trent reznor coming in on this i think we got some other people but there are 16 musicians and or vocalists credited on this album and that's not even bringing in extra personnel that just did like mixing and engineering
1: uh, i saw it on a couple websites but i can't confirm it because not everywhere had it that brody dale did some vocals on this who is
0: the lead singer of the distillers and josh's wife it's interesting because i was looking for that too i could not confirm exactly that she c- did anything on this right, album but, but she has shown up in previous queens of stone age work and she was also on villains Um, but I could not find anything that confirmed her as a credited artist on this album. I'm sure she was in the studio and maybe just uncredited, but I couldn't find what work she did.
1: Me neither. The only reason I bring it up, the only reason I bring it up is so that I can brag about going to a distiller show earlier this week. Since you get to, since you get to fucking drop tool shows.
0: It was fun. How's the distillers?
1: Oh, it was way better than tool was. Excellent.
0: Uh, (laughs) So the next song we're going to jump into is going to be uh, track seven, Fairweather Friends.
1: Is there somebody else important that made a guest appearance, though, John? Don't jump ahead. Why would you jump ahead unless there was somebody else important on this?
0: Oh, so we're going to jump ahead, and we will talk about the whole story about uh, why this gentleman is on this album at the conclusion of this track. But uh, you're going to be listening for some piano as well as some background vocals. And they're not just vocals. They're screams. We're looking for background screams from Elton John. Tracks out very well. So
1: Hope John.: Yeah, you gotta. You got a lot written on this outline here,
0: John. I I had some quotes. I'm not going to get into all of it. Um, Okay. But if if How did
1: we... I also feel like there's kind of some... A couple stories. Do, do, Do you have the right one? Are you giving me multiple stories? Do you have the truth? Or do you have Josh Homme's truth?
0: I have from everything that I was able to compile together, the truth. Okay. And this is like compiled from like interviews with Josh, interviews with Elton, interviews with everyone that is part of this story.
1: Okay, how do we get how do we get Elton John on track seven? Of...
0: So, so, do you remember Jake Shears, frontman of the Scissor Sisters? He was on track one.
1: The guy that's not in the Arctic Monkeys, yes,
0: yes. Um, so, Elton John collaborated with Scissor Sisters back on a track in two thousand and six, and became friends with Jake Shears. So, Shears and Elton John would hang out, and throughout the years, apparently. Uh, Jake Shears would wax lyrical about Josh Homme to Elton John, right?
1: Okay. So I'm, this I'm album,
0: following. this album's coming about. Production is happening. Elton John is in Los Angeles to do a duet with Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is much more on brand for Elton John. Um, and per like you know, at the behest of Jake Shears. While he's in town, calls Josh, and Josh thought he was being fucked with. Like, Elton John calls him, and he's like, hey, Josh, Elton John here. And says, and I quote, and I've read this from multiple sources. This is actually how this phone conversation went. Mm -hmm. Elton John says to Josh, the only thing your band is missing is an actual queen. To which Josh responded, honey, you have no idea. So Elton John agrees to come in and play piano and do some vocals on a song. He's Elton John. When he shows up to collaborate, he normally gets there to a song that's already recorded, and he's adding some shit on top of it. And he's blown away that they're just like, one, it's not a piano ballad. Two, no, you're actually joining the band for the day. So he learns the song, uh... And per Josh, like he learns the song, plays it for about 20 minutes. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to start flowering it out a little bit. And then like starts putting his spin on the piano line. And that's how it all came together. Since this happening, Elton John has spoke incredibly highly of not just the experience, but the album, saying that it was probably the best album in the last five or six years, rock and roll wise. I'd agree with Elton John on that. As would I. But yeah, Elton fucking John's on this album, man. Screaming. He is. You you say screaming, John, but... There's some shouts at least.
1: I would maybe give you a shout. Uh, I know you like to push how hard Elton John goes on this, but I'm not going to give him Screaming. It is It is good. It's not not good. It's, I'm, I'm, I am just got to knock you down somewhere.
0: All right. Well, then listen to the track yourself and uh, let us know if you think it is a shout, a scream, or just, you know, a sing.
1: If you think that's a scream, you need to listen to more music. Um,
0: it's a scream for Elton John. No. You could go way harder than that. <laughs> I can, but like he didn't have to for this. And thank God he did. Yeah, he
1: went harder than he needed to. Um, track eight?
0: Track eight. Yes, we're just about to jump back into uh, just like track two. This is going to be one of the kind of more rockin' old school Queens of the Stone Age songs that you would expect. Um, But fitting in with the ultra cohesion, you know, the ultimate cohesion of this album. Mm -hmm. um, It works. Track eight, smooth sailing. It's all in
1: Is Josh Hame any good at writing lyrics? I think he is. I think this album is absolutely an exception, but for the most
0: part, I think it's his delivery that saves his okay lyric writing. So I think his lyric writing is slightly above average, and the sex appeal that comes through his delivery is absolutely helping it out, uh, 100%. I I I do think that there's a lot of moments on this album that show that he is at the very least a decent lyricist. I, no,
1: I think this album shows like he has the potential to actually write good lyrics like right. for, for the most part, but then little things shine through like uh fuck, I don't remember the setup for it. I got hickeys, bruises, stitches and
0: scars. I got my own theme music, plays wherever I are.
1: What the fuck is that? <laughs>
0: Uh, that to me like it's not a great lyric but it's so very on brand for exactly this like, it's, like, it's it's,
1: it's it, it, that is the like one point in this album uh besides the uh Gitchy. And, and yeah that, that yep. makes me think of mulan root uh no lady marmalade yes uh, makes me think of M- lady marmalade and that kind of pulls me into that but I'm not gonna let uh Missy Elliott ruin an album for me again not again. Uh, but yeah, there's, fuck, it's still really good. There's nothing, like, it's delightful. It still works. His delivery saves any line that I would even question about not being a good line of lyrics on this album.
0: Right, and I think that you could even debate like that bad line of, I got my own theme music plays wherever I are. You could even twist that to be like, yeah, that no, is no. such an ultra sarcastic tongue in cheek. Don't go high swinginess. school. Dick um, swinginess. High school
1: English teacher on me and like, tell me why are the curtains red, John? I don't know why the curtains were red. Cause I'm in the house and the curtains are currently red. There's nothing deeper to it. He needed something. He needed a rhyme, but like he's the, the delivery saves it. Everything is great. It's just something that, it's always bugged me about Josh, where he doesn't always have the best words. His words aren't always up to par.
0: No, but they do always kind of. He he definitely has a style about it. So like sometimes if he chooses not the, you know not the best if he, words.
1: If he choose not best word, he if say, there's one thing he, I know he, he I am excellent better. at it talk. He say better if choose bad word. <laughs> Speaking of words, uh, my favorite lyrics are on the next song. <laughs> really? Yeah. My favorite lyrics
0: were on the last song.
1: Was it I Got My Own Theme Music That Play Wherever I <laughs> no, Are? No, no, no,
0: no. Sorry, the last song before oh, okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, it was something we didn't hit on, but it was a lyrical callback. I'll, I'll, we'll get into it later. But right, well, um, 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 So we got two songs left. Yeah. And we're starting, especially after that one, kind of just like track two. Smooth sailing is almost kind of like a palate cleanser. Um, and now we're getting back into the ultra depressive ultra heaviness for the last two tracks we're not getting away from it Thank God and it's good um, we're about to jump into what I consider to be at least the second best Queens of the Stone Age song ever written if not the best track nine I appear missing
1: So my favorite lyric from there is "It's only falling in love because you hit the ground," and then just saying it out loud. I sound dumb, and I feel dumb for saying that. It's my favorite. It's his fucking delivery. Nine. It is. That is how he gets away with all of his songwriting. Is his goddamn delivery, and I'm not against that.
0: No, I'm not. Um, man, that song is really good. It it just it just hits you.
1: Yeah. Oh man, it builds great. Every time it goes back, it, it hits harder, which is what you need if you're building to something. Everything pays off. You the get...
0: outro, I, I I like the lyricism on the outro. It's not great, but squeedly guitars. It's uh, yeah, that is uh the most memorable Queen's of Stone Age track I think they've ever written, at least in the top two, without it's a doubt. It's
1: funny because when there's nothing for us to just yell at each other between there's almost not too much to talk
0: about i mean this is the perfect album and that is the song that makes the perfect album
1: and this 10 out of 10 album has 10 tracks and we're on track 10 we got one left
0: um it's the title track like clockwork and i know this is one of your favorites so in anything you want us to listen for while we're going into th- this very last one, or um, I-, I guess to rephrase that, if you've embarked on this journey with us, now that we're reaching the end, Bill, is, is is there anything you want us to reflect upon?
1: Just want you to stay, stay in this atmosphere, stay in this world of everything is terrible and spooky and dark and oh, it's not going to let you leave. Exactly. And you're you're going to die on the hospital bed. Stay there. That's where I want you right now.
0: Track 10, light clockwork. I'm not ready for it to be over.
1: Well, it just, like, drops you at that unresolved, not completely finished build up, so it doesn't have to be over. I'm still in it. You can just keep waiting for it. And you're just the message of uh, even it's all downhill from here as, like, the last lyrics that kind of keep going at you. It's the ominous everything's terrible, but this is the peak right now. God damn, I love that. I love it. I love this goddamn album God, so, so much. goddamn much, John Goddamn Pie.
0: Well, and I, I I brought something up earlier about the nature of tens and like how a ten is different than a nine. And I think that how I'm feeling right now is a testament to that and a testament to why this is a ten is like a perfect ten of an album versus like a nine out of ten when you sit down and you listen to the whole thing in order, like it changes you a little bit. You you sit on the other side and you you are different than forty six minutes ago when we started this. And holy shit, every single time I've probably listened to this album over a hundred times. And if I sit through the whole thing, I am I'm just floored and kinda like a little bit empty yeah. every time. Yeah.
1: And again, the whole it's all downhill from here mantra at the end. I'm just like, fuck, things are great. So I guess it's all going to fall apart. That's fine.
0: Goddamn. It's fine. So that album is a 10 out of 10 for both of us. Like we said at the beginning, um, as far as we know right now, that is our only shared out of 10. A uh, shared 10. Right. Until right? until we get a uh, LMAFO,
1: until we listen to Sorry for Party Rockin'. Right. Then our lives are going to change.
0: <laughs> but... I I, I did want to throw this out here, and I know you hate me for it, but I'm doing it. John, I hate you for a lot of things, so... You're right, you're right. Um, This album, I'm going to say, is my one and only 11 out of 11.
1: (laughs) Fuck yourself. Stop messing with this rating system. I will mess with the rating system to say... I don't want your decimal points. That out of 10... I don't want your 11 out of 11, What?
0: Out of 10s.
1: With the decimal points? One
0: person, you get 111. And that is is simply to dictate, this is my favorite album of all time.
1: So if things go to 11, your scale is technically
0: one out of 1,199.
1: That's what you're telling me
0: right now. Then I'm just saying this is the 10.1. This is not just a 10. This is my favorite album ever recorded, ever produced. This album is perfection personified. This album is perfect. It is. It's my you're, favorite album you're ever.
1: You're not wrong. You know what's perfect. Fucking just being a hundred percent and being a ten out of ten because one hundred and ten percent doesn't fucking exist. Because John. you
0: need to fucking delineate. No, you don't. This from other tens. Well, it, no.
1: Yes. If this is that, then it sounds like this is your only ten, and everything else is a nine point
0: nine. Next season on the record bin. Yeah, motherfucker. That's what I thought. Um. um yeah, this is this is the season one finale, Bill. It is. That being said, Max, are you gonna come on for some of this? Excellent. Uh so yeah, Max, we wanted to bring you in just to get a quick rating, you engineered this entire episode for us this is the Um, first
2: time i've listened to it cover to cover we did previously do this where you guys showed me six tracks i believe yes we
0: we started to do it was just like oh let's do a quick episode four songs and then bill and i were just like we have to listen to more songs what is with the skipping tracks bullshit (laughs) and i
2: wanted to listen to more of it as well
0: right and so we got up to six and by the time we had finished the episode it was like well, let's just listen to those last four tracks. And it's like, now we've done it out of order. Fuck mm-hmm. it. We just have to scrap this entire thing and come back to it with a clean head. Um, so, yeah, you just got to listen to this entire album front to back for yep. the first time. What are your thoughts, man?
2: So how I kind of approached it is I was... How I kind of have approached everything you guys have listened to is I kind of categorize it up between, like, songs that I don't like, where I put weak, and then medium, great, and then amazing. Um, Funnily enough, it's pretty weird to say seven of these tracks ended up as amazing for me. Not Mm. even great. Meaning seven of these songs range from a nine to a 10 for me. And I do judge songs out of 10 before I give the album. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus, seven out of 10 yeah. of the tracks. I really was just floored by what I was floored by is the the cinematic ones. Yeah, absolutely. The, the three mm-hmm. that I put in the medium category and I did it first, put one in week, but I changed it to medium because I was like, that's you're being too critical here. The rest of this is just so good that you're kind of forgetting about it. Having said that, This might be, this might have one of the best opening tracks for an album I've ever heard. That's what I was saying. Absolutely. (laughs) For sure, Keep your eyes peeled as an opener. Um, I was trying to write down like other albums that I love, like 9s and 9.5s for me that have as good of opening tracks as that. And I was able to come up with three of them. Um, Killing Strangers uh, by Marilyn Manson off The Pale Emperor. Opening track, Amazing. Can I Bring My Gun by Gunplay off the fix tape? (laughs) Bill knows that one. That's a good fucking song. And uh, you know this one, John, If You Know You Know off of Pusha T's Daytona. Yep, yep. Like songs that just kick off an album perfectly, and it's tough to do that. This is easily one of them. I am going to be you, John, and say, if you like this, an album you should also listen to. Because Smooth Sailing and I Appear Missing, probably two of my favorite tracks off this album. They sound right off of one of my favorite albums, Mechanical Animals, by Marilyn Manson. Wait, sorry, Smooth Sailing and I Appear Missing, or Mm -hmm. Smooth
0: Sailing and... okay.
2: Yep, those two sounded... Smooth Sailing, in particular, sounded exactly off of Mechanical Animals. That song would fit in perfectly on that. Are you familiar with that album? No,
1: this is... I even already spaced out who we're talking about. Marilyn Manson? Marilyn
2: Manson's 1999 Mechanical Animals, Smooth Sailing, you could put on there, and it would fit perfectly and i appear missing would fit well too not as perfectly smooth sailing sounds like a manson song off that album like it's it's almost identical (laughs) to the tone of that album
1: i've been wanting to get into manson so i'll give that one a shot that's uh, I like a, to have a, a focus when I'm trying to get into a band.
2: So let's let's jump into the rating. And real quick, the first time we recorded this, my least favorite of the six you showed me was I Sat by the Ocean. Mm-hmm. And my main, my, my main criticism of it was, A, I've never been to Alcatraz on acid and listened to it. <laughs> but You should try it. I, I, I just may. Um, but B, that first song, man, like Keep Your Eyes Peeled is so good. I feel like it's tough to follow that with anything.
0: but uh, And it's something that we hit on with these songs kind of getting lost within the major mm-hmm. scope of it. Well, I think um, it's just
1: something about... Because this is... I mean, it's not a full second listen to for you. But, like, you get the atmosphere of the mix of the two types of songs. And when yep. you come back for it, you're like, oh, it's there the whole time.
2: Yep. Um, before I give my score, the main things that stood out fucking excellent choice of effects throughout. On mm-hmm. the vocals, on the
0: pianos, That's on the
2: guitars... Lee. My God, it is mixed beautifully. Whoever as a producer was this guy?
0: So, no. um, (laughs) So there's tons of producers on this album, but you've got Troy Van Leeuwen. he's a main member of this band. Well, yeah, most of
1: the producers are in the band, right?
0: Right. So you've got uh, everybody in the band is listed as a producer on every single track except for track 10. That one is only Josh and some outside people. Um, but Troy is mainly the backup guitarist, but then he also plays all the weird shit on this album. He plays like three different types of synthesizers, uh, different slide guitars. He's credited as playing a drone guitar, uh, throughout all of his tenure within Queens of the Stone Age, he's been the weird effects guy. Um, so like Anything from like any of the synthesizer stuff. And I brought that up during a bunch of the songs we were listening to. It's just like he is so goddamn good at that. And then when it comes to the production end, he is more of the guy from the band to kind of take over. Like it's, okay. it's Josh's band. He has the vision. Uh, but Troy is fucking masterful when it comes to messing with stuff and getting some of the weirdness and some of the you know the very quintessential queens of the stone agey sounds into these albums yeah that's troy
2: very very impressed um this is the best thing you guys, I mean, in my taste, which is different than yours, but this is the best thing you guys have brought to the show, I feel like. Like, this is my favorite thing that we've listened to that you guys have brought on.
0: On top of Cosmic Thrill Seekers? I was going to say, I
2: did. Um, I'm giving that a close second. I've i I've listened to Cosmic Thrill Seekers probably about 15 times the whole way through since then. Okay. Um, Probably bringing down my nine to probably an 8.7. Okay. Uh, this is an 8.8. Uh, um, all right. This is really good, and just to be clear, my favorite album of the year that's come out so far, *Port of Miami 2* by Rick Ross, is an 8.3. So this is a full half point higher Damn. than that. Um, I'm buying this, Damn. and this is going in my car. Seven of these songs, I was just like, "Oh fuck, this is good. Like this, yeah, is, this is this is some good rock music." And I gotta say, you gotta listen to *Mechanical Animals* now.
1: I will. I will. The, I'll. I'll. I'll do it tomorrow. This is. Know? By the time this episode comes out, I might be a full-on Manson fan. We'll see.
0: God damn Great right. choice. Give this album six years. It'll probably get its way <laughs> up to 10 for you. I wouldn't doubt it, man. Um, it's give it's it six really years, good.
1: Go on some acid trips to California. Break and, up a couple times. And by know. the
2: way, why haven't Queens of the Stone Age done a Bond song yet? They said oh, no, it'd be great. Seven be of these songs I wrote down like Bond uh, fucking Fairweather Friends. That's Bond as fuck. That I mean, sounds just like a fucking. We, James got a, Bond song. we
1: got Jack White to do one. So I feel mm-hmm. like Kame might not be too far away from getting the call.
0: And if he gets the call, he would fucking run with it and it would be fun as hell. I hope so. Like, my God, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, this guy should be in charge. Or just put two of them together Because Trent Reznor Has yeah, been let doing Trent Soundtrack work Do oh Trent my God. And Josh Hame Dude, Make the next yes. Absolutely Let Josh Dave and Grohl Work there. together And like yeah. Wait not even put Dave Grohl Because the two no, of them Will just them call rip. Whoever the fuck they want That's And Dave will be Phil On Collins. one song <laughs> But like They'll just call fucking everyone in the industry and just be like, yo, we're doing a Bond movie. And like they will each get I mean, because you think about Queens of the Stone Age and Nine Inch Nails. Those are two bands that are essentially one person Mm -hmm. and people he hires. Okay, So So, over the multiple decades of both of them being a thing. They both have so many fucking session artists. Like, put the two of them in a room together, and it'll just be like, all right, who's on this song? These people. Who's on this song? These people.
2: Also, it was cool to hear Dean Fertita. Uh, I'm a fan of Dean Fertita's uh, band with Jack White, The Dead Weather. He's and, also touring uh,
0: with the Tours. I actually got to see him play with the Tours. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dead Weather keyboard. I'm a fan of Dean. I think he's great. and he does excellent work on this album. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, max thank you for coming on giving us some of your thoughts uh
2: and 8.8 is high for a first listen by the way
0: i don't throw that around no 100 percent. i mean like i think it would eventually get to a 10 if you had the relationship with this album that bill and i have it's going in my car i'm booking a trip to san francisco (laughs) let's (laughs) fucking do it that's the spirit but no i that that was fun man that was good um great choice
1: you know what else has been fun this show.
0: Season one. This is, that, this, this is the end of season one right thank here.
1: Thank you, Max, for making this happen. I, this yes. has been
0: save for the best for
2: last. This was fucking great. No, season I, two coming soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're looking at getting back into season two. Sometime around the first of the year, we'll obviously have announcements in between. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this right now, this is going to be season one finale, um, but to keep an eye out in between this episode and the season two premiere. We're looking at having some fun stuff up online, whether Absolutely. it be you know, YouTube videos, mini episodes, whatever, so you will be able to get your record bin fixed over mm-hmm. the holidays while we're on hiatus.
1: Yeah, be sure to subscribe to the Janky Jank Productions YouTube channel, because that's probably where we'll be popping up.
0: You bet. Yes, um, where they've also got a new trailer for their first full-length film coming out that's right uh, talk about that for a minute man what's going on
2: we have the trailer up for our first full-length film the doors between us it's got bill is in it I'm there. bill is a supporting role in this film i'm one of six eight eight i'm one mm-hmm. of the eight um it's Ma- got some great fucking performances the music is pretty good and uh god damn you've never seen anything like it and i can promise you that we will be having a theatrical premiere probably in December or January. Yeah,
1: that'd be perfect for this release. If mm-hmm. you're hearing this now, that's probably coming up soon. Check out the trailer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Max has been driving himself fucking insane editing that thing, so mm-hmm. just please, if you, well, if you see... Well, also
0: somehow <laughs> producing our podcast. Right, so that's if you see true. Max
1: in the street, just, like, give him a hug or, like, just or something. Just, like, help him out, you know?
2: Just get me in touch with Gunplay. Yeah, and then, yeah. Just, and then, you know. Like, get, then get we him, got gunplay on the podcast. Get him
1: Rick Ross's number. Let him hang mm. out with these people.
0: That's yeah. all he wants.
2: Uh, Yeah, this will be fucking cool. Can't wait for season two, fellas. This has been a joy. Let's get it.
0: Well, shit, I guess that's a wrap on season one of the record, bin. Go back well. and
2: vote on your favorite episodes, by the way. We should have a poll up on Instagram Yo, or something yes. of which ones you guys like the best. We can kind of see like, just by the listenership and how many plays they get which ones you guys liked. But... Um, would love to just get like a vote or something like that going I'll yeah yeah
0: so keep keep an eye out for something like that we'll throw something up here uh, kind of upon release of this episode mm-hmm. um you know kind of as we've always said we want to hear from you guys so reach out to us uh send Facebook. your hate mail yes uh facebook.com slash the record ban we've got uh, a <laughs>
1: john you got have saved that i don't know if you have a domain yet uh but we are on facebook so search for us please
0: uh instagram at record bin podcast that one we do have and i usually operate uh it, so. twitter at the record bin pod i'm supposed mm-hmm. to be operating that but i'm really not um yeah uh, leave us a review on apple Podcasts. Absolutely. uh let bill and i know how much you hate us uh respectively and yeah, how much, how much, you much hate john yeah totally But yeah, I mean, thank you so much for listening to uh, season one of the Record Bin Garbage Music. For
1: garbage people.
0: As always, I'm John. here with Bill. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. We'll see you next time.